Welcome back to You at Home. This is the second episode in a two-part story about the tattooed taxidermy pig, Minnesota. If you haven't listened to part one yet, I recommend that you stop, go back, and listen to that first. Last episode, I traced Minnesota's history all the way back to the artist Andy Feehan, who tattooed him in the 70s. According to Andy, Minnesota was treated with gross disrespect. In this episode, I investigate what actually happened to Minnesota, and I find much more than I was looking for. Please be aware that this episode mentions animal cruelty and sexual assault, so it might not be appropriate for everyone. You are listening to You at Home. It is a podcast about people and their belongings. I'm Hannah Smith. To start, we need to go back in time. To Denton, Texas in 1976. Andy Feehan was an MFA student at the University of North Texas. He was interested in putting wings on animals that don't have wings in nature, such as dogs or pigs. He obsessively drew and painted images of winged pigs. This is Andy. Pigs had a reputation for being uh, objectionable or, you know, people use the word pig in, in a negative way. And I, I really wanted to shock people and upset them, just to make them think about what happens every day, what they have for breakfast, and, you know, all that kind of thing. But what Andy really wanted to do was to put wings on a living pig. I also found out later that their skin was structurally very similar to human skin, and um, so that lent me the notion of, of tattooing them. His advisor at the time, Bob Wade, another famous Texas artist, was supportive of the idea of tattooing a pig. So Andy started looking around for a tattoo artist who would work with him. He spoke to several people who totally rejected the idea. At the time, they were all sort of nervous about being busted by the health department, and they gave me the bum's rush. They thought I was nuts. Eventually, he found Randy Adams in Fort Worth, who agreed to be part of the project. Randy was... He thought that was a good idea. He didn't, it didn't freak him out or anything. He, he just said that he wanted to make sure that it was clean, that, it, that everything was professional, and that's exactly what I wanted to do. Andy had support from the university, a tattoo artist, and a veterinarian who would work with him. All he needed was to find a pig. After several unsuccessful attempts to get a miniature pig, Andy went to a hog farmer outside of Denton, and he bought a Chester White piglet. Minnesota was a little, maybe two months old when I got him. He was, I don't know, as big as a medium-sized dog. And then on Sunday, November 21st, 1976, little Minnesota got his wings. I also did it um, in a vet's office under general anesthesia, so he didn't feel anything. There might have been some discomfort after the tattoo as much as a sunburn, you know, and after a couple of days, it's, it's, it's pretty well gone. This is from Andy's blog. Minnesota, after going to sleep just an ordinary pig, woke up as the only winged pig in the world. Mm-hmm. 
After Minnesota was tattooed, it was a few months before Andy's master's art show. So in the meantime, Minnesota lived with Andy and his two dogs, Chester and Elvis. I wanted him to be um, comfortable around people and, and he, he bonded with the dogs. And, and I'm sure you know, pigs are, are smart. It was easy for me to get him to do what I wanted um, because he would follow the dogs who were already trained. And he basically thought he was a dog. So that was the idea. Sure, he was my pet. He was, he was my pal. He was not a, a barnyard um, creature. He lived in the yard. He had a, a little spot in the, in, in the workroom behind the garage. Sometimes I let him in the house. <laughs> Just, How'd that go? <laughs> Briefly, though, you know, because he wasn't, he was not house trained. I didn't have him long enough to house train him. I'm sure I could have. In January 1977, Minnesota was debuted at Andy's MFA show in a gallery on the college campus. I wanted him to just walk around, but the, the chairman of the department said absolutely not, because he was afraid he would, you know, pee on the floor. And um, so... I built a little pen out of hay bales. Andy kept a dated journal of logistics in which he chronicled the entire process of the tattooing. The journal entry just after the art show describes people's reactions to Minnesota as a mix between pity and fascination. Some people were offended. They, you know, I was accused of cruelty, uh, torturing animals, but... um, being tattooed is nothing compared to being killed and eaten. You know, if you could talk to a pig and, 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 and ask him, would he prefer to be um, a sculpture or would he prefer to be um, a ham? I, I don't think there's a pig in the universe that would, would choose the ham, you know. So basically I was asking a question as, as well as, as making a statement. Uh, and the question was, you know, why are we so cruel to animals? By the time of Andy's art show, Minnesota had already grown to be 175 pounds. A full-grown Chester White pig can get up to 700 pounds. He had destroyed Andy's backyard with all of his rooting. Andy was a new graduate and could no longer take care of Minnesota. So he began to look for a home for him. Stanley was um, beginning to be known as a kind of an eccentric collector of um, unusual stuff. And the Cadillac Ranch had just been built. And I heard about that. Everybody had heard about that. And, and I don't remember who. Somebody just suggested that I, I uh, get a hold of Stanley because I needed to find um, a home for Minnesota. Andy wrote Stanley Marsh a letter introducing himself and asking him if he would like to have Minnesota. He, he didn't even wait to write me back. He called me the day he got the letter. And he said, yeah, that's cool. I want it, you know. And the only terms were that he would never kill him, that he would take care of him, that he would treat him like a dog, and um, just not kill him, let him live to be an old pig. That's all I wanted. He assured me, finally writing me a letter, assuring me that he would um, take care of him and all that kind of stuff. A few weeks later, in March of 1977, Andy loaded up his two dogs and Minnesota in the back of his pickup truck and drove them to Amarillo in order to give Minnesota to Stanley Marsh. 
And when I got to uh, his house, he had sort of prepared a, a reception for, for me. And, and he had a bunch of friends and people taking pictures and all of his kids were there. And um, the place was, you know, there were dogs running around and peacocks and llamas and guanacos and horses everywhere. And, and it looked like you know, Dr. Doolittle's place. You know, I thought, well, this is cool. I, this is going to be a good a good thing. And I mean, Stanley even showed me a, a barn where he was going to live and all this kind of stuff. Andy says that him and Stanley stayed up chatting and drinking that night at Toad Hall, Stanley's ranch. Andy was secretly pleased to be an artist associated with Stanley Marsh, a list that included Big names such as Robert Smithson, John Chamberlain, and Ant Farm. The next morning, he said goodbye to Minnesota, feeling happy that Minnesota would live out his natural life as a pig, saved by art from the destiny of the average American hog. And so I felt at that time that I had delivered Minnesota to a safe place. And so I left uh, thinking I had... I had done the right thing. As Andy was leaving, he noticed a journalist arriving to Toad Hall that Stanley had invited. The next month, in April, an article was published in Sports Illustrated with a photo of Stanley and Minnesota, but no mention of Andy as the artist. Andy was not happy about this, but he thought maybe it was journalistic oversight. Just one month later... In May of 1977, Andy received a letter from Stanley. I hadn't even moved back to Houston before Stanley wrote me and said Minnesota was dead. I was still in Denton. He was trying to make a, make a joke out of it, you know, like, oh, he overdosed on champagne and Easter eggs or something. It was like on Easter. And I didn't think it was funny, you know. Just six months after Andy bought Minnesota as a piglet, Minnesota was dead. And on top of that, Stanley had him stuffed. It was just so against um, the idea. The idea had nothing to do with a, a stuffed animal. That was so far away from what it was, was I was trying to do. I, if, if, if he had died in, in my care, I, I would have buried him. I don't know. I, I found out that he did stuff him, and and I I, I suppose I I just um, I figured there was nothing else I could do about it. The only explanation Andy was given was that Minnesota drank too much champagne. An explanation that Andy just didn't believe. Although, he did tell me that Minnesota liked to drink beer. He did. He liked beer. But I wouldn't give him, you know, a gallon of beer. I would just pour a beer in a bowl and he would drink it and, you know, kind of spin around the yard a little bit. But it was, it was not, um, you know, I wasn't trying to overdose him. Andy says he made the mistake of telling Stanley that Minnesota enjoyed having a beer every once in a while. He wonders if maybe this encouraged Stanley to give Minnesota too much alcohol. I, I, he would give him wine sometimes, 
I know he didn't choke on his vomit or do anything like that. I know, I don't think that's what happened. Um, they did it to him. They killed him, you know, in a way that wouldn't leave a mark. That's all I know. Here is Andy's theory as to why Stanley might have intentionally killed Minnesota. I think one of the reasons Stanley did him in was was because he didn't want to deal with a, a faded tattoo, which is kind of lazy, you know. Minnesota had been tattooed as a piglet, and as he grew, the tattoos stretched and became less visible. Um, I'm sure you've probably drawn on a balloon, like with a ballpoint pen, and then blown up the balloon and watched the the, the thing stretch. And that's really what happened. Um, when they're six months old, they're close to fully grown. And so that's, imagine the difference, five or six pounds and being 700 pounds. Andy thinks that as the tattoos faded, Stanley lost interest in the pig and had him killed. If Minnesota had lived long enough, I was ready to tattoo him again, but I never got the chance. Later, he reached out to someone who worked with Stanley at the time. Andy says it was confirmed to him that Minnesota's death was not an accident. That's all I know. I wouldn't talk to him for a long time after that. I just, I just, I was so uh, upset, you know, because um, he broke his promise. Eventually, Andy did speak to Stanley again. In fact, Stanley funded another project of Andy's, tattooing hairless dogs. Andy never asked about Minnesota's remains, and he says Stanley and him never talked about it again. Then, after Stanley passed away in 2014, Andy reached out to his widow to try to get Minnesota's remains back, but she didn't know where Minnesota was. I still found myself wondering, what really happened to Minnesota? Did he really overdose on chocolate bunnies and champagne? Or was that just another prank from the notorious Stanley Marsh Three? If only I could speak to someone who was there at the time, who remembers Minnesota when he was living at Toad Hall. So I tracked down Stanley's eldest son and called him. I requested an interview several times and he kept putting me off and telling me to call back later. I finally talked to him at the end of 2017, and he told me to call back in the new year. I called back in the new year, and the line had been disconnected. I have attempted to reach out to him and Marsh Enterprises several times, and have not heard anything back. And then, finally, I got a hold of a photographer who worked for Stanley Marsh in the 70s. And he says he remembers Minnesota when he was alive. Uh, I'm Wyatt McSpadden, a native of Amarillo, Texas. Uh, left there in 1992. But in the early 70s, I spent uh, three or four years working at Stanley Marsh's place, uh, Toad Hall. Wyatt is a professional photographer and longtime contributor to Texas Monthly Magazine. He got his start by taking photos for Stanley Marsh. I hadn't done much or seen much. And then suddenly I found myself working for Stanley and all these crazy things were going on. He said that in the mid-70s, Stanley purchased multiple exotic animals to create a small zoo on his ranch, including a camel and several antelope-like creatures. So can you tell me what you remember about Minnesota, the tattooed pig? He 
he was in the paddock, the back of the house, and the, and the camel may not have been there at that time. I don't remember whether they overlapped or not, but I don't really remember interacting with him very much. I don't know that anyone did. You know, he was a pig. My feeling is, is that he was a neglected creature along with many other neglected creatures there. I mean, they got fed, but that was about it. Yeah. And what, what did he, what was his diet? Well, and my recollection is, Hannah, that he was, uh, we fed him gravy train dog food in a bowl and poured Matusse wine on it. Mm. There's a lot of rumors about maybe what happened to the pig and uh, the, or the official you know, media report was, oh, he overdosed on chocolate bunnies and champagne because it was close to Easter. And then um, some other people have said, oh, no, I think it was intentional. Maybe he was slaughtered. You know, I know that you weren't in charge of feeding him and maybe don't have a lot of well, recollection. My, but what, yeah, what do you remember? My recollection of, of his demise was in the paddock, we put what's called wolf wire that would keep larger size like coyotes out of the paddock where the critters were. And my recollection is, is that the pig tried to dig out and got his head underneath there and strangled himself. Wyatt also said that it was so long ago, he can't be 100% sure. He also mentioned that Minnesota was drinking wine with every single meal. And so that could have been a contributing factor. Suddenly, this was all feeling a little graphic, and I realized that I really didn't care too much to know the exact method of death. I more so wanted to know if it was a cruel act of intention or if it was just an accident. You know, he hired young hippies. You know, I came on in 71, so I was 19 years old, you know, a hippie in a in a kind of redneck city at loose ends and there were several of us around and and those were kind of the people that he liked to hire and would and that we would gravitate toward toad hall so it was uh, some of these young hires uh hippie kids you know from amarillo or around that he would hire yep. and then and then is that who was would be in charge of like feeding the animals and taking care of them yep mm-hmm. yeah it would be the you know the chores like really none, none of us knew anything knew what we were doing basically so do you think or what is your feeling generally that like the animals it was just sort of like they weren't a priority or there wasn't a lot of attention yeah it was it, 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 was, it was a whim for him you know it's just like when we had these the the african antelopes or whatever they were um you know there was no one there that knew how to manage these animals. And we, you know, again, dumb shit hippies. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, it's like there was no real thinking about it. Yeah. So I don't believe it's because he was a, a, a great lover of animals. I think that it was a, it was, it was another thing for him to do with his property, but he was not, a, you know, he was not a member of PETA. Sure. <laughs> Um, when I spoke to Andy, and of course, he also said, you know, this was years ago, that the past is the past, I have no hard feelings, anything. But at the time when it happened, you know, it was his feeling that it was an intentional thing, that Stanley didn't want to care for a pig. The um, kind of magic of having a winged pig wore off when it was, and then when he realized, oh, this is actually like a big animal that he... um, And that's no big surprise, is it? 
the magic of having a wing pig wore off because really what you have is a pig. The pig doesn't know he has wings <laughs> tattooed wings tattooed on his side. Yeah. I mean, I personally you know? have never cared for a pig or anything like that. So I don't really understand what it involves, you know, but. Well, yeah, I, I, well, dog, dogs and cats are in no danger from, from pigs taking over as lovable pets. Without talking to Stanley Marsh, there is really no way to understand why Minnesota only lasted two months at Toad Hall and then why Stanley had him stuffed. Perhaps Stanley thought Minnesota would be a better work of art as a stuffed pig, just like he felt he improved upon the paintings that hung in his office. Perhaps it was a complete accident, but ultimately, we don't get to know that. As it turns out, understanding why a person did something 40 years ago, when that person is no longer around to talk to, is really hard. And it's mostly just guesses. Also, Stanley was a very complicated person who turned out not to be the person most people thought. Many of us have very fond memories of those years there. And th those of us who were there at that particular time sort of regret how it ended for him with the, the, the stain uh, uh, on his name, which, uh, y you know, has sort of overshadowed the things that we loved about him, which was his eccentricity and uh, his differentness in a place of where sameness was more valued. What Wyatt is referring to here is that in 2013, 10 young men brought lawsuits against Stanley Marsh, saying that he paid them for sex acts. The lawsuits were all settled. There were also six counts of sexual assault and five counts of sexual performance of a child brought against him in late 2013. He was arrested and posted the $300,000 bail. Stanley died before any of this could go to trial. While Wyatt and I spoke about this, he struggled to reconcile the lawsuits with the Stanley that he knew and respected. You know, it just, uh, it was a mess. And sadness to me, you know, because I ultimately I admired Stanley and I was glad it was, you know, it changed my life working for him. And yeah, and I regret whatever it was that however his wiring changed, because he wasn't like that when I was working for him. Or if he was, he he wasn't expressing it at the time. Whatever it is that happens to you when you turn to the dark side. In telling the story, I wanted to keep it solely about Minnesota. But as I dug further into it, I have come to feel that I don't want to tell a story involving Stanley Marsh without acknowledging the pain that he caused. Because for all of the people who knew Stanley and came away better for it, there are also a lot of others that had the opposite experience. What I can say confidently is that I feel Andy Feehan is the right person to have Minnesota's remains. Hearing Andy's story made me think a lot about the ways in which people try to make the world a little better and a little more interesting. I think Andy did that 
by asking us to look at something ordinary, a pig, and inspiring us to see it from a new perspective, to inspect our cultural norms. By returning Minnesota's remains to him 40 years later, it's my way to say, I know it didn't pan out the way you thought it would, but I think what you did was worthwhile. But first, I had to check with Sam, the current owner of Minnesota. I've been hauling little Minnesota around with me wherever I move for the past. I don't even know how long it's been. And now I've kind of realized like, oh, this is why I was holding on to the pig. I was just like one of the carriers for it until it could get back to Andy. Well, is there any part of you that feels like it's going to be kind of sad to give the pig back? No, I don't think I'll be sad about it. I'll I'll be happy to, to get it where it should should be going. And Andy Feehan seems like a really cool guy, a really interesting guy who, who really cared about this pig. I'm excited. Like, I'm excited that it would go back to Andy. It's, it's Andy's pig, I think. I mean, it was always Andy's pig. Sam and I got on the phone with Andy and let him know that we were going to return Minnesota's remains to him. Hey, this is Sam, my husband. Hi, Sam. How you doing? Hi, Andy. Sam and Andy talked for the first time, each of them having spent time with Minnesota. Yeah. So then, and then I started moving around a little bit, and I was just carrying little Minnesota around with me the whole time with all of my... <laughs> I, I mean, I didn't have many belongings either. It's not like I was hauling a whole lot of stuff. So, I, What did he mean to you? What was it? Well, why did you keep him? It became a fun story for me. People would never believe me. I would tell them like about this stuffed, tattooed pig that had wings <laughs> on the side of it. And they were always just like, what? no, there's yeah. no way. And then I would like go to my storage unit or whatever it was and open it and show it to them. And they, everyone's just like, what is this? Is this crazy? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. yeah. That's pretty funny that you, you kept him um, live, living out of the trunk of your car, probably, and and you you still had the pig, along with your your bedroll and a suitcase, and yeah, well, that's great. I'm I'm glad you did that. And Thank you. Yeah, of course. I'm I'm so happy that it gets returned back to the place that it should be getting returned to. So yeah. I'm glad you're you're able to get it back. It feels um, like I can finally um, get closure on it, you know. I'm not such a cliche to say that, but but to have um, his remains back um, will allow me to close the book on it. You know, I'm gonna just have a little ritual and and take him up on the hill and and ignite him, kind of like Abraham and the and the lamb or whatever, you know, and and just kind of just put an end to it. That's what I want to do. I took Minnesota to my friend Wills Brewer, who was trained in taxidermy, in order to get him ready for his trip to France. According to Andy's wishes, he wanted him cut open 
de-stuffed. I think it'll all come out in one piece. Rolled up, put in a box, and shipped to him. And although he never lived out the long, natural life like Andy had wanted, his story is certainly different than the average pig. Minnesota's life started off unremarkably on a hog farm outside of Denton, Texas. And then it took a turn for the surprising when he literally became a work of art and a friend to a young artist and two dogs. His short six-month life was followed by a mysterious death at a makeshift zoo run by hippies. Then he had an almost 40-year afterlife as a stuffed pig, first in the office of an Amarillo prankster, and then in the trunk of an aspiring filmmaker's car, and finally, in my garage. His long, winding journey was about to come to an end, and his final trip would take him overseas and would be made in a USPS box. I took him to the post office and shipped him to Andy. About a week later, I got an email from Andy with the subject, the package has arrived. It said, Hi Hannah, Minnesota's remains arrived this morning. I haven't opened the box yet, but I want to thank you and Sam for doing this for me. I am very grateful to be able to have some closure on this. I will give Minnesota a Viking funeral, maybe a Greek one, Thank you both again. Sincerely, Andy. And with that, all I can say is, life is full of weird surprises. Ultimately, I am grateful that I got to be part of Minnesota's journey. You can see photos from this episode and previous episodes at my website, youathomepodcast.com, and please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you to everyone who shared their story for this episode. Andy Feehan, Wyatt McSpadden, Scott Thurman, and Sam Smith. My cover art is by Savannah McAnally. The track Wild West Guitar is by Presto Sound, and the rest of the music is from Pottington Bear. Also, thank you to everyone who gave me feedback on this episode, especially Evan Smith. You at Home is made by me, Hannah Smith. Thank you for listening.